Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Positively Midwest. My name is Steve Jurens and across from me as always is my lovely, beautiful, encouraging, motivational, lovely wife, Catherine. Wow, somebody wants some brownie points tonight. Hello everybody. Hello, Mr. Jurens. Hi. So we are in episode 57 and I'm um, excited because we are going to uh, talk about high functioning anxiety. Yes. And so I think I've learned that people in the Facebook world cannot cannot hear um, our jams. Yeah, when we're jamming out. So sorry about that. Um, but we're still going to have it for the people that are in podcast land that will listen to this later. So that they can hear our music in the background. So so for those in podcast land, we are simultaneously recording. So we'll get some feedback from our Facebook watchers. Oh. <laughs> I mean, give your input, give your feedback as we're doing this and you can be a part of history. Yeah, do that. And then um, you've got it pulled up on your phone there, right? Yes, so that I can see comments since I can't see your screen no more. Okay, and we're also on YouTube. Um, and maybe somebody might be watching on there too. So anyways, we got this new webcam thing over here. Uh, so it's strategically placed. So um, it sees more Catherine. Oh, <laughs> and the Christmas tree. Anyway, so first off, I would like to take this moment in the Positively Midwest podcast to just thank everybody. Um, Sunday, we uh, January 31st. 2021, we closed our first round of uh, pre-order merchandise. So we had a hoodie. Where's the applause? I wasn't done yet. Sound effects. Oh, like. I don't have that. <laughs> so we um, had our uh, our first um, pre-order and uh, we had a hoodie and we had a t-shirt, couple of color options, um, some hats and some uh, hoodies. So Exciting news. I do still have about 15 of those hats left. Uh, they are flex fit. They are large, extra large. They fit me quite well. Um, they, uh, um, don't, They're super duper they, rad. They don't fit Catherine quite so well. But if you want to be like Rachel Hollis and, and wear it over your poof do when you're exercising at 5 in the morning, get everybody all jacked up, go ahead and um, imagine that. And so, they're, I mean, these are flat build, but you curved yours, right? You know, so it's not like you have to leave it that way. Don't let that intimidate you. Mm -hmm. Yep. I would definitely say to each their own on that because I'm not, uh, um, some hats I do the strap build, straight bill and some of them I do not. So, um, your sister's asking about the Christmas tree. She needs to be educated. Okay. One, my tree stays up year round and I don't see those comments. Two, mm -hmm. um, Usually we have the ornaments taken off and that I just have the tree standing with its lights. Not that we usually plug them in. And then we had started been gifting some ornaments when we were doing the podcast by those that we interviewed or those that listened to us. They had started gifting us things. So I was going to call it the happy tree. I do have full intention of actually taking off the rest of the Christmas ornaments at some point in time. But it's in the office, and I kind of forget about it standing in here because it's out of the way, and it's not like I see it continuously, so. Mm -hmm. I reckon. Okay, so let's get into the characteristics of high-functioning anxiety. Um, oh, 
Yeah, but thank you profusely. Did I even did we really get to the point where I said thank you profusely? I think you thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, um, for supporting us. Uh, our hopes now is then to have other designs and we'll do like series or whatever you want to call it. I'm not artsy and I don't know those things, but maybe we can ask our buddy Shane and we need to talk about that for a second. So, um, yeah, so we're working on a cool design right now that I spit out and Catherine made up in like 13 seconds. So we'll get with our shirt dude and um, John and uh, he rocks and thanks. And then, um, yeah, so Friday... Uh, Catherine and I drove 10 hours round trip to Bismarck and we talked with our North Dakota. Yep. And we talked <laughs> with our good friend, uh, Shane Balkowitz and, uh, he does the wet plate photography photography. So if you remember that episode, uh, it's late 1800s and Abraham Lincoln and sitting bull have wet plate, uh, portraits. And so he invited us down very positive. What we learned in person, a very energetic individual, and he is uh, just, bam, it's awesome. It so. is absolutely amazing. It is like a work of art. And to watch him, there is only 1,000 wet plate photographers in the world. So definitely go check out this episode that we recorded with Shane. He even has his own um, prime video documentary out about him. But yeah, watching him do it and how they have to create, cut the glass, and then you pour the fancy dancy big words that I can't remember what he called it to turn the plate into like silver and to treat it. And so then you have like what within three minutes because the plate has to stay wet to be able to take the photo. And like people like we're watching this other group that's doing this. And it's like, they've been in the same pose for 20 minutes straight, not moving. Take this picture where you don't blink. You got a slow, low breathe for like 10 seconds straight staying in that pose while the camera takes the picture and then he has to run and develop it instantly so that it like turns into this and now that picture is going to be on that piece of metal for the next thousand years it is like the coolest thing to watch it was like a phenomenal to be a part of that experience there you have it folks so uh yes i just wanted to give him a huge shout out uh, our experience was unique, I would think. And uh, I always want to relate things and, and have our experiences and our stories throughout our life and the future experiences we have to all be a part of Positively Midwest and what really makes, uh, um, you know, I want to continue to help inspire people and continue to help uh, motivate people and, uh, you know, cruising uh, five hours one way, getting up at 530 in the morning to go up there and get a portrait taken uh, and not knowing what we're walking into or not really knowing this guy, not really knowing the studio, any of that stuff. I mean, it's difficult for me to go sometimes into my own community and uh, put myself out there and just, you know, do these things. So, you know, um, having a positivity page and a positivity podcast doesn't mean that I'm always positive and I'm always got all these things down. I still struggle with them. And that's why we talk about celebrating every little moment, every little baby step to you growing and being uh, a better you, a better version of you, whatever growth and evolution. So not only did I want to give him a huge shout out and thank him for um, inviting us down there and doing a, I don't know how much they cost, $20 million to do one of these wet plates. And, uh, but he's had him go as high as $3,000. Um, he's done a Vander Holyfield. He's, it's in a museum. Listen to the episode if you haven't, or at least go check him out. Like Catherine said, he's got a 
documentary out there out on um, Amazon Prime. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I just wanted to to thank him personally from the bottom of my heart. And uh, the, the two gals that were there, um, if they ever listen to our stuff later or check this out, um, it was Allie. Allie, Justin, and Kaylin. Yeah. Yep. And so they were very helpful because it was, we watched them do stuff and, uh, very artistic modelish, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, they did, uh, did their renditions and you can go on to Shane's page and you can see those as well. You can follow them in, on Instagram and thanks to Kat Perkins again for hooking us up with that gentleman. Um, and she hooked me up with another person. So we'll be reaching out to them and doing another interview because I'm sure already it's going to be great. Uh, anyways, uh, shout out to them. Thanks for them. They helped set us up. Um, you know, the, the photo is very unique. Um, I think when Catherine's talking about, he take, you know, he says blink a bunch and then takes the cap off and counts to 10 seconds and you can't move. I think what I did was take a breath and we shared, we shared earlier in the group. Um, you know, thanks to the COVID, I decided to jump off the train of, um, getting healthier and man, I felt like I just looked I looked a little bit more uh, larger than normal. And I don't know when they say the camera adds 10 pounds, if it was from the late 1800s, maybe it adds even more. But (laughs) either way, I I look at it and I grow from it. Sometimes I feel a little uh, insecure about it. But man, it's about the experience. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, I have other ideas. So hopefully he'll let us do another one because I already wishing I was more creative. But we don't live in regret. We don't live resentful. We we think, wow, what a great experience. We had a couple of good meals um, while we were visiting and traveling. Um, we had some jack wagon follow too close when it was a little drizzly. So don't do that. Drive safe. But <laughs> you know, it was great. It was a good experience. As Shane explains, modern day photography has taken away some of like the true form of art. And so... We're constantly in selfie mode in a sense where we can look and see what we look like in this picture and fix an angle and fix the lighting and we can do all those things and we can snap 10 pictures within a minute, you know, if you want to because you don't like something. This, there was no mirror. There was no seeing what we look like. This is, we're sitting there. You're having somebody tell you, do this with your hands and do this. Okay, great. You have no idea what you look like and there's no redos, you guys. There's no Photoshop. There's nothing so, and then what's really neat, unique about it is, you know how your eyes will like, like you see something and actually your brain sees something like upside down and then your eyes are flipping it right side away, all this jazz, right? So when you first look in his camera, you're actually looking at the image upside down because his camera is looking like it's upside down. So that's the coolest thing first. And then when it takes it, it's mirrored of us. So like what's on your left side or what you're sitting on, what you would think would be the left side of the picture, it's not doing that way, it's like bullet. So it's kind of really unique how it takes it. So it's not always like what you think you look like maybe. And we're always our own worst critic. So some people may look at it and go, you know, that's an awesome picture of you too. And then we're on our own worst critic sometimes when we point out the things that- All the time. Okay, all the time, especially when- Be you- real. Okay, all the time, especially when you struggle with anxieties. Um, and so then you pick apart the picture. But I don't want to take away from what Shane did because it's a work of art. It is this unique masterpiece and the experience is beyond belief. 
I would definitely want to be able to go back again, one, to watch experience and help him do it all again. And two, um, yeah, if he would allow us the privilege of having another picture taken, like be a little more prepared because I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what to wear. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that all plays into it and being uncomfortable and, you know, we're still breaking these, these, uh, um, patterns, you know, and that if you have a pattern for 20 years of your life, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50, 80 years of your life, um, you can't expect that to change overnight, but sometimes it can change instantaneously. So keep that in mind too. That doesn't mean that you can't read something and you, it just clicks and you go, well, son of a, no, why didn't I think of that that way before? Right. So, well, and true true us form we both showed up in graphic tees and like i said the pictures are mirrored so you can't wear graphic tees because all of your lettering and stuff would be backwards yeah so all right so the characteristics of high functioning anxiety i found a good article as i do on verywellmind.com and uh it's written by arlen uh kun Ooh, it's c-u-n-c-i-c uh, November 18th, 2020. So it was recent. And um, I just recently watched on Netflix a documentary called Heal. And uh, some of these things caught me uh, because, you know, I always think you got to take documentaries with a grain of salt. You know, it's not that they're not all true. It's just sometimes they're just putting the information or putting the opinions of others out there, whether they're professional or not. And then I think it's up to you to kind of decide what path you want to take and what's best, best for you. But uh, they talked a lot about, and this is something I'm pretty passionate about because I think I've come out the other side a little bit on some of this, but your stress level, your anger management level and anxiety level uh, significantly. And I do believe this significantly impact your health physically and mentally. And so I have felt better. Uh, I can tell you mentally and physically the last couple of years of my life than I have ever before. And the more I continue, uh, this is one thing they said too, but the more you continue to learn about yourself, you then, you know, your surroundings change, you know, the people around you change, your friendships might change. Uh, you know, and if you're feeling better and it's the best you've ever felt, that's what's most important as long as you're not hurting anybody else in that process and, you know, um, just basically hurting people. So, um, high functioning anxiety, anxiety is not a recognized mental health diagnosis. Rather, it's evolved as a catch-all term that refers to people who live with anxiety but identify as functioning reasonably well in different aspects of their life. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, around 19% of adults in the United States have an anxiety disorder. Some people may consider themselves to be in the high-functioning category, but it's difficult to know exactly how many have this type of anxiety. If you have high-functioning anxiety, you probably notice that your anxiety propels you forward rather than leaves you frozen in fear. On the surface, you appear to be successful, together, and calm. The typical type A personality who excels at work and life. However, the way you feel on the inside may be very different. They have this nice graphic and it just kind of talks about uh, traits of people with high functioning anxiety. There's a positive, they're high achieving, organized, appear calm on the inside. Negative, overthinking, 
uh, need for reassurance or others think you're difficult to read. Uh, so what that looks like, someone with, with high functioning anxiety may be the picture of success. You arrive, you might arrive to work early than everyone else, impeccably dressed with your hair neatly styled. Coworkers may say you are driven in your work. You've never missed a deadline or fallen short in a given task. Not only that, but you're also always willing to help others when asked. What's more, your social, your social schedule also seems busy and full. What others might not know, and what you would never share, is that beneath the surface of the seemingly perfect exterior, you're fighting a constant churn of anxiety. It may have been nervous energy, fear of failure, and being afraid of disappointing others that drove you to success. There's also a related article. If you go and check this out, which we will post into our um, podcast um, description, which will actually come out tomorrow at 7 a.m. It's Monday? Wednesday at 7 a.m. and um, uh, February 3rd. Um, anyways, but uh, there's 10, size, 10 signs you're a perfectionist. So though you desperately need a day off, work to get yourself together, you're often too afraid to call in sick. Nobody would ever believe something was wrong because you always portrayed yourself as being fine. If these characteristics sound familiar, here's a look at what you might experience or what others might observe of you if you have high-functioning anxiety. So now I know, and I had a post the other day, like how I struggled when well, I finally went back to the gym. And like the going to the gym and doing yoga is like something I love. And for almost two years, I was going for days a week usually and stuff. And I absolutely love it. And it actually helps to reduce my anxiety, having that little bit of calm time, that little bit of stretching, that little bit of a workout, you know, even if it's my 15, 20 minutes. But things started switching in my life and in my brain, and I couldn't get myself to go. Even today, again, I almost, I was like, you know what? It's 15 minutes. I'm only going to get to be there 15 minutes. We're behind time this morning. I have to get to work. But I did it. I went. You know, and with me, no one talking about work is, I become like a workaholic, right? I'd rather dive myself into work of all areas of work of aspect because I feel calmer in a sense, which is really weird because sometimes I'm not calm in those moments either, but I feel calmer if I'm being a work addict than sometimes when my mind is at rest and at ease because then I worry about all the things that I should have been doing and all the things that I've done wrong or all my what ifs start playing through my mind and then I, I struggle to find peace. And so then I just wanna work nonstop, sitting on the couch, doing something, working. That's mine. Yeah, so like we talked about a little bit ago, some of the positive characteristics, the potential benefits of high-functioning anxiety can be seen in the outcomes and successes that you and other people observe. On the surface, you may appear very successful in work and life. This may be objectively true if you only evaluate yourself based on what you achieve. There's another related article that said signs you're an overachiever. Uh, characteristics of people with high-functioning anxiety that are often thought of as positive include outgoing personality, happy, tells jokes, smiles, laughs, punctual, arrive early for appointments, proactive, plan ahead for all possibilities, uh, organized, make lists or uh, keep calendars, high-achieving, detail-oriented, orderly and tidy, active, helpful, appears outwardly calm and collected, passionate, loyal in relationships. 
And then there are some negative characteristics. In the case of high-functioning anxiety, a struggle often lies beneath the veil of success. The anxiety you feel about your success inevitably must come out. Characteristics of high-functioning anxiety can be perceived by the others as being cute or just part of their personality. In reality, these attributes are driven by underlying anxiety. Other characteristics of high-functioning anxiety are eternal and may never be noticed by others, despite the fact that they cause you a great deal of stress. People who... People don't know always know... What? People don't know always know that these actions are caused by anxiety and they may view them as part of who we are. Ooh, my gosh. Whoa. Almost knocked your phone Dropping over. things. <laughs> okay. Despite, despite being regarded as high-functioning, you may experience the following struggles in your day-to-day -day life. People-pleaser. Afraid of driving people away. Fear of being a bad friend, spouse, and employee. Fear of letting others down. Talk a lot. Nervous. Chatter. Nervous mm -hmm. habits. Playing with your hair. Cracking knuckles, biting your lip, need to do repetitive things, counting stairs or rocking back and forth, overthinking, lost time, arriving too early for appointments, need for reassurance, asking for directions multiple times or checking on others frequently, procrastination, following, followed by long periods of crunch time work, avoiding eye contact, rumination, and a tendency to dwell on the negative. What if thoughts and dwelling on past mistakes. Inability to say no. Always having an overloaded schedule. Being consistently busy. Insomnia. Difficulty falling asleep or waking early and being unable to fall back asleep. A racing mind. Others think that you are difficult to read. Unemotional. Cold. Limited social life. Turning down invitations. Inability to enjoy the moment. Being able to relax and be in the present or expecting the worst in any situation. Feeling intimidated by the future. The tendency to compare yourself to others. Falling short of expectations. Mental and physical fatigue. Loyal to a fault in relationships. Potential for alcohol or substance abuse as an unhealthy coping mechanism me method. Any thoughts on that? Otherwise, I'll go to the next section. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just... It's things that... That... I struggle with on a daily basis, you know? And so I know there's so many more people out there that are doing it silently as well. You know, down to... I only had a few friends that would know, like, if I get nervous or anxious, I start to itch, right? Horribly. And so a few people had picked up on it. And then they just know when to chill out. But now it's like I've formed new ticks. I mean, and so you have to just find your ways of balancing the positives and the negatives of it. Of what? Of anxiety. And then finding ways to help calm your brain so that you can feel better. Because it's no fun feeling like that. Challenges. A high-functioning person is often regarded as an overachiever. However, this perception is short-sighted because it fails to take into account the struggle and perhaps anxiety required to achieve that level of success. If you asked most people who you know, who know you, they probably would not have a clue that you struggle with anxiety every day. 
Deep down, you know that your anxiety limits your life, even if you don't let on. Perhaps you are able to achieve essential tasks, such as those related to work and housekeeping, but feel your life is limited in other ways. For example, you never do anything outside of your comfort zone. Your actions are prob probably dictated by your anxiety. You likely choose activities that calm your racing thoughts rather than pursuing activities you would enjoy them or because they would expand your horizons. If you have high-functioning anxiety, you're likely become inept at presenting a false persona to the world and never show your true feelings to anyone. Instead, you keep it all bottled up inside and compartmentalize your feelings with the plan to deal with them later, but later never comes. Getting help. There is help out there for people who are dealing with any form of anxiety, including high-functioning forms. However, certain characteristics of high-functioning anxiety may have prevented you from seeking help. Some possible reasons that you have not sought help for high-functioning anxiety include you consider it a double-edged sword and don't want to lose the positive influence of anxiety on your achievements. You are worried that your work will suffer if you are not constantly driven to work hard out of fear. You might think that because you seem to be achieving strictly from an objective standpoint, it means that you do not need help for your anxiety or perhaps that you don't deserve help. You might think that everyone struggles that way, the way that you do and may think of it as normal. On the other hand, you might believe that you are just bad at dealing with life stress. You've never told anyone about your internal struggle and your silence has reinforced that feeling that you can't ask for help. You might believe that no one would support you in asking for or seeking help because they have not seen you struggle. But if you or a loved one are struggling with anxiety disorder, contact the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357. That's 800-662-4357 for information on support and treatment facilities in your area. As you already know, we've done an episode with the our local area uh, human service agency in Watertown, South Dakota. Um, as well as other counselors we have in our area. So um, on that note too, uh, we'll see how the dust settles when we've got all our gear out and merch to everybody. And I think we'll be able to uh, help our first person uh, seek therapy, whatever that means for them. So we'll, we'll kick that off on our, on our Facebook and, uh, and look at how we, we ask for help on that. So Many people have a specific image or idea of what it means to have an anxiety diagnosis. For example, you might envision a person who is housebound, cannot work, or who struggles to maintain relationships of any kind. We don't often think of the inner turmoil of anxiety as an internal struggle as being reason enough to seek help. Anxiety can be very much a life of denial. You might even convince yourself that there is nothing wrong. You're just a workaholic, germaphobe, list maker, etc. It would be more helpful for us to refer to high-functioning anxiety as simply anxiety. While it can look and feel different from other types of anxiety, it's still present, even though it's well hidden and can seriously disrupt a person's life. Then there's an article, The 7 Best Online Anxiety Support Groups of 2021. Um, I think that could be very important too because people have probably come across a more... Uh, have become more anxious or dealing with more of that now that 
uh, if you're more afflicted by COVID or having to stay, you know, at home, um, you know, during all this. So because we discussed before some of that social distancing, things like that as actually can be detrimental to your mental health. You need to have interactions. You need to have activity. You need to have outings to just be alone is where the humans are not designed to be that way. So reach out if you are struggling, find different ways that can help you. You know, it's like, it's kind of weird. You know, it says like some people may be like a constant list maker and that's how they, you know, help their anxiety or that's like a bad sign of their anxiety in a sense. But in a sense, it like can help your anxiety because if you put pen to paper, to write what's happening in your brain and all the things you're worrying about and all the things you think you have to do and write them out, it can be like a soothing thing. But at the same time, some people get way too analytical with their list making in a sense. Like I have packed, I have made lists to go on trips before and I have packed clothes or things or items for trips months in advance, months because I was so worried, you know? Well, and that's the key right there that you have to understand the reason we're talking about um, anxiety isn't because being organized is bad, isn't because um, showing up early is bad Mm-mm. or, um, you know, being an overachiever in a sense to where, you know, yeah, I want to be manager someday or I want to own my own business someday or you know, those aspirations and goals. I mean, that's what we talk about too. This is when you are connecting a negative feeling or uh, a worrying feeling and you're connecting that with why you're taking that action. Then it's unhealthy. It stresses you out. I guess if you're going on vacation in, in three months and you've already got everything packed the first in the first week of booking the trip three months away, then you are... I don't, you're probably just really worried, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I'm always like, hey man, when we get there, if we forgot some skivvies, I'll run over and buy some somewhere. You know, like I would rather be relaxed and calm, grabbing my bags and throwing them in the car. You know, I mean, it's, it's 2021. I don't know how many times I can say stuff like that. You can get anything anywhere. I believe just about anymore. I mean, I remember a day when you were worried if all you had was your debit card, if somebody had a card machine, you know, like little gas stations and small uh-huh. towns and things like that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm from the big city with 30,000 people. Are they going to have a card machine mm-hmm. here? You know, but um, it's, it's just not like that. If you're going on vacation somewhere or whatever the case may be, you can get what you need to. You know, for that specific context anyway. So it's if you're if if it is taking over your mind in an unhealthy form that then you're starting to do your negative self-talk and that then it's starting to be detrimental to yourself because it can be. It's just all in a how you're allowing your mind and how you're allowing yourself to treat you. Well, especially if it's affecting the moment that you're in. I think that's the biggest thing because you know, you can't have those moments back. So if you're, you know, if you're, I don't know, shopping for a refrigerator for furniture or something, and uh, you guys are getting into a fight over, you know, some small things, then I think it's time you you need to curb it and, and go and talk about it or figure it out, find out what the psychology behind that stuff is. So 
you know, it's okay too. You have to understand that all of this is okay. This doesn't mean you're broken. This doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Any of that kind of crap. What it really means is is do some flipping research, you know? Listen to a podcast, do some research, go seek therapy, go talk to a counselor, talk to your spouse or friend or whatever, you know, and just do something. You know, what we we can talk about reducing the stigma. You know, when you feel isolated and alone, it's harder to reach out to others. As more people talk about and identify with having high functioning anxiety, it may become easier for people to seek help. That's part of why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Thinking of anxiety in both its positive and negative terms may help to reduce stigma. We all need some level of anxiety to get things done in life. You know, um, that's why I think sometimes that stuff is healthy. You know, like, oh my gosh, I should turn around and make sure I shut the burner off so I don't burn the house down. That's okay. You know, I mean, hopefully you're not six hours away, but call somebody to go to your house and check it out for you. You know, but don't sit there and worry about it the entire time if... You're not going to take an action to do anything about it. That's the other big thing. You can have all the negative thoughts in the world or think you want to break something and change, break the cycle, whatever you want to say. But if you don't actually take the action, we've got a whole episode about taking action, then you're not doing anything. All you're doing is beating yourself up or Mm -hmm. repeating yourself over and over and over again. And it doesn't, it's not healthy for anybody. So Rather than view anxiety as being a weakness, reducing stigma has allowed society to highlight when people with anxiety are able to live full and productive lives. So here's something interesting, famous people with high-functioning anxiety. When trying to raise awareness of social of a social issue like mental illness, it can be helpful to identify well-known or famous people as examples. Stars such as Barbara Streisand and Donny Osmond and athletes like Zach Granicki, I don't even know who that is, and Ricky Williams, I think he plays basketball, anyways, have been forthcoming about their experiences with their high-functioning anxiety. Um, Scott Stossel, the national editor of The Atlantic, has written extensively about his experiences with anxiety and the context of his achievements. And so, like Steven said, you know, we're certainly not perfect. When we started Positively, or when he started Positively Midwest, it was wanting to break the stigmas, breaking like the stereotypes behind um, mental health, behind, you know, being a stereotypical male in a sense too. But breaking those stigmas of mental health is like, it is a really hard thing to tell people what you're struggling with. Um, It's humbling is that the right word to tell people what you are struggling with mentally because then you you know it plays against you thinking like oh my god people are gonna think I'm crazy like you know because you do that that's part of it um and so what we're trying to do is to share our story so that it can help to inspire you along our journey of trying to find that fulfillment finding our betterment finding our peace and so what all of this is about and why he's saying you should seek help if you are struggling like that is that we want you to feel better we want you to know your worth because you are worthy and so we want you to find that peace of mind yeah just breaking down the stigma is to essentially say that it's normal and it's okay you know everybody gets stressed out 
And I get stressed out still because um, I continually always reiterate that I'm not perfect or claim to be any kind of an expert. Uh, but, you know, the more that you do learn about yourself and continue to grow, you know, you can, there shouldn't be a stigma around someone doing what they do or feel what they feel as long as you're not hurting someone else. I'm not saying like a serial killer or whatever is okay, but <laughs> um, so th- some treatment options. If you've never been diagnosed with a mental illness such as anxiety, but you identify with the symptoms or characteristics, talk to your doctor, a medical professional you can trust, provide support, and give you a referral to be assessed by a mental health professional. So there's a related article here that you could then click that says how therapy can treat anxiety. If you are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, such as generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety disorder, know that there are effective treatment options. Anxiety disorders can be treated with cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy. We've talked about that before. Medications such as selective serotonin uh, reputate inhibitors and even techniques like mindfulness training, which I would recommend trying first. Um, Many people with anxiety find that using a combination of treatments best helps them manage their symptoms. Now, again, uh, to each their own. And if you go to therapy or counseling, I think that's amazing. Um, I still continue to go every week because for me, it's a, um, you know, it's just, I'm constantly working on something, constantly working on what happened this week, or maybe what is going to happen in a few weeks. And we, we keep talking our way through it. Um, we got some exciting things coming up here with Positively Midwest in the future, and, and we'll talk about them when we're ready. But uh, those are some things, big decisions, things I've had to talk about going forward. And, uh, or even a little spat that her and I had, you know, talking about what, what did I do wrong? How can I get better? You got to continuously learn about yourself. So, reflection, self reflection. So, some daily tips. Whether you've already sought professional help or are still in the process, here are some tips you can try on your own to reduce your anxiety. Commit to spending 10 minutes a day working on your mental health. Before you do any cognitive work, changing your thoughts, look at lifestyle changes such as limiting caffeine, eating a healthy diet, and getting regular exercise. I can tell you I feel a lot better. You know, um, let's say you go to a fast food restaurant and you overeat it you're probably going to get a gut bomb to some degree if you overeat anywhere really. But, um, it seems like that's kind of stuck in everybody's head as being the worst for you if you run into something there. But, um, if, if I've had a good clean eat day and, uh, um, I've exercised that day and drank a lot of water. I mean, I do feel better. I feel more energetic. I feel more positive. Um, along with that sleep hygiene is important too, such as sticking to a regular bedtime and not staying in bed. If your mind is racing instead, get up and do something else until you feel tired. Um, look at some of your thought patterns. For example, anxiety involves a lot of negative predictions. What if I don't make this deadline or I know I'll make a fool of myself during this presentation. When you notice a negative thought, try countering it with something more realistic or helpful, such as I always make my deadlines. And even if I miss this one, it won't be the end of the world. Yeah! Find coping strategies for nervous habits, such as biting your lip or chewing your nails. Practicing deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation can help control tension. Now, there's two examples in these daily tips that tell you, basically, chill out. Take a step back, take a big-ass breath, and relax. Sometimes you've got to do that. 
You know, I there'll be times where I'm worried about making a sale and I'm driving around or maybe it's towards the end of the month or it's the beginning of the month. It doesn't matter. I'll freak out. You know, it seems like the beginning of the month in sales, ever since I've been in it, you're, you're hero one month and right back to zero on the first of the month. And I'm like, oh God, I got to start all over again. What am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? What am I going to do? I'm going to make a bunch of sales. And then I just got to be like, dude, chill out. I've been doing sales for 18 years. People dig you. Just go out and do your best. And if it doesn't happen, then you can diagnose what, what happened. But don't freak out about it before it even happens. Oh, I'm not going to get to my goal or I'm not going to, you know, get this taken care of or get this put together, you know. And then, yeah, if something, you know, didn't go right or maybe you didn't hit that goal, then take a look back. And for God's sakes, take constructive criticism because that's very important for us to grow, right? That's one thing about therapy. I get constructively criticized quite frequently (laughs) and I do it to my own or to myself too. So learn how to use a, a competing response to address your nervous habits. This technique has, has you perform an action that is incompatible with the nervous habit, such as chewing gum to keep you from biting your lip. Ask yourself why you hold on to your anxiety. Are you afraid that if you are no longer driven by anxiety that you will stop being an overachiever? These are real concerns that you will need to address as you work on reducing the effect your anxiety has on your life. This will involve refuting the belief that you can't accomplish things without your anxiety. It may take some adjustment, but you will find a new groove that gives you healthy balance between your mental well-being and getting things done. So, that's a couple of big things there towards the end too is that you have to be willing to take advice from people. You have to recognize there's a problem. Look at addiction and AA. The first step is realizing that there's a problem. Then you work on everything else. So, none of us are perfect. But if somebody came up to me and said, holy cow, um, I don't think you should do that because it's super annoying or it doesn't work out well for you or the way you're working out, um, you're going to break your back instead of, um, you know, yeah, exercise. That'd be a good one. Cause that does freak me out. Like I go and work out and I think everybody's staring at me and nobody could give a crap that I'm in there. But if I was lifting something the wrong way and somebody came up and said, Hey, uh, you shouldn't lift it that way. You're going to hurt yourself. I would probably turn 50,000 shades of red and uh, get super embarrassed and nervous and never do it again. But what I really should do is now that I've mentally already thought it out loud and freak myself out, go, Hey dude, chill, take a breath. This person wants to help you and saw you possibly going to hurt yourself and just wants to give you a tip. So swallow your pride and don't think that you know everything. Don't be embarrassed and go, thanks for taking time out of your day to approach me because I probably would never do that to somebody. I probably wouldn't go to somebody and say, hey, don't lift like that. You're going to blow your butt cheek out, (laughs) you know? So more than likely, because I hate being told what to do. I hate it. I hate being told that I'm doing something wrong because that is one thing of mine. It's not always a people pleaser thing, but I, I am very hard on myself already. So if I'm already hard on myself and you come up and tell me I'm doing something wrong, man, that just, we got problems. So I want to read this closing from these guys and then uh, we'll move on. A word from verywellmind.com. High functioning anxiety can be a double-edged sword. You might be afraid to let go of something that feels like it's part of your personality, but know that you don't need to be secretly anxious to achieve and succeed. Hold on to your positive traits through the habits that you've developed and try to let go of the tension and internal struggle your anxiety causes. Not only does success 
not need to be the result of struggle, but opening yourself up to the true feelings and sharing them with others can make your experience of life and the world around you more authentic. Again, that was an article called, as I scroll to the top, The Characteristics of High-Functioning Anxiety by Arlen, A-R-L-I-N, last name C-U-N-C-I-C, medically reviewed by Stephen G-A-N-S, M-D. That stands for doctor. (laughs) Updated November 18th, 2020 at (sighs) verywellmind.com. Five people are still watching. It was a lot of good information. Yeah, it's probably a lot to digest. That's why I like to just put it into regular terms. It's okay to be anxious. It sounds like you'll never not be anxious, but you can be a hell of a lot less anxious. And you should ask for help. And you should do research. And you should talk about um, solutions. How many times in our flipping lives do we talk about problems? But how often do we talk about solutions? It blows my mind. I like to think that I'm a pretty creative person. And so, you know, whenever we're we're brainstorming and things like this, you know, I just, I'll throw just about anything out there because I think anything could, you throw it at the wall and it could stick. You never know. So, but in arguments we've had or when you yell or when kids are worried about stuff and, you know, I see it all and I go, whoa, whoa why don't, why don't, why are we talking so much about what's going on and what the problem is, but not talking about a solution? You know, so if, uh, you know, I don't know, man, I can't think of an example right now, but you know, how many years have I bought shoes that were, you know, I'm on my feet all the time. I'm overweight. So I'm tough on my shoes and, uh, they're not very comfortable and I'm spending 30, 40, $60 on shoes, you know, and they last however long months, two months, maybe, you know, And so I invested in a pair of shoes after a lot of um, research and um, reviews and orthopedic things and whatnot. And so far, they're some of the most comfortable shoes I've ever bought in my life. But that's just one example of investing in, you know, something that is quality, investing in something that that means something to you. And how is your, your livelihood and your mental health not one of the most important things to invest in? Mm -hmm. You know, so all too often, We go to the doctor because something's already wrong, right? You have a pain, your stomach hurts, whatever. And then maybe you have, turns out that you have cancer or it turns out that you've got some sort of disease or diabetes or something like that. But one thing I saw in this, um, or a couple of phrases I saw in this documentary called Heal that was on Netflix was that, uh, you know, along with mental health and physical health, we always wait till something's already wrong. So we're already depressed. Maybe you're contemplating suicide. Maybe you're a high functioning, uh, anxious person. Um, maybe you're just flat out super depressed and you don't know what to do. And so then you might look out to therapy, which please, please do or reach out to a friend or whatever. But what if we started working on those things all the time? What if that was part of our curriculum? When we were young people, we had sociology, when we were seniors and a little bit of psychology, but really they don't teach you a whole lot about, you know, setting, they say that we're setting us up for society as, as kids in school, you know, and you always have your little, your class things that you learned through experience. Mm -hmm. But imagine if we were teaching people at a younger age, and this is pure speculation and only an opinion, but what if we were starting to teach people about sociology and psychology at a younger age, 
health. So you, yeah, mental health. So you could start to recognize things with people and you were geared more about caring about people and, and helping your fellow man. And we as parents should be doing that stuff too, which I think we do a fairly good job of. But I mean, I have strength, strengths that we never had or are still growing. But long story short, what if we were trying to, what if we started working on our mental health and when we feel bad or we make a mistake, we break that down because I still make mistakes. Probably made one today, hundreds. I'm sure I made some over the weekend. But then uh, after we stay away from each other for hours or a day or two, then we have broken everything down in our head and figure out, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Or um, at least I'm going to be a little bit better next time. Or, no, damn it, I was right. And then hash it out again. But <laughs> either which way, um, you know, just you, you constantly, you why stop? When you're in, I say this all the time, when you're in, in a job, you constantly have to learn. You know, computers keep changing. Phones keep changing. TVs keep changing. And I'll be damn sure if 80% of the population or whatever fake statistic, they know how to run a TV Everybody has got one, yet five of them maybe in their house. And they can get on their their YouTubes and their Hulus. And, you know, I hear people that are 60, 70, 80 years old that are watching Yellowstone on Peacock like we are or whatever the heck. And it's like, so you guys can do that stuff, but you can't figure out something that's good for your mental health or your physical health even. You know, if you've got ailments in your body, there's a reason. Your body's telling you, I don't like this stuff. I don't like how you make me feel with what you're thinking. And you think about it so much, you're making me sick. So I'm going to make you sick. Your stomach's going to hurt. You're going to get a headache. You're not going to eat. You're not going to sleep. Well, hey, listen. That's your body knocking on your brain saying, dude, I don't like what you're doing. I'm sick. Sick of it. So now you're sick. Right? That makes sense. Can I dumb it down anymore? I think you, you got it. So what do you do generally when you don't feel well? Well, what do we have nowadays? So here's something I struggle with, and it's certainly because of weight and how I eat at times too. When I was eating way healthier, this was I, it was not even a thing, but I have heartburn almost daily. And so I've got Tums in my car center council. I've got Tums in my drawer at work. And we've got Tums in the cupboard here. And in your coat pocket? No. But why in the hell do I need three different $8 bottles of Tums or any generic antacid that is out there? Um, Why do I even need all that crap? My body's telling me you're eating that something that's unhealthy for you or you're overeating or whatever the case is. My body's saying, dude, quit it, you know, mm-hmm. or if you get a tummy ache from eating, what's your body telling you? Don't eat dairy. <laughs> yeah. If you, um, excuse me, if you are um, really depressed and stressed out at work and you don't eat and you don't sleep and, but you have to work there because you have to pay the bills And there's so many ways we can justify it, right? But what if you looked for a different job? Or what if you looked for a different hobby? Or what if you looked, put yourself out there and tried a different hobby? 
What if you went out to dinner with people that you never thought you'd hang out with in your entire life and you enjoyed it? Um, so, so, so many possibilities. So Tara commented on the Facebook post. It says, there's such a horrible stigma with mental health. There are a lot of people who believe that depression, anxiety, etc. isn't real or that people that they are just do it for attention. And so that's why people don't ask for help. You know, there is that. That stigma is horrible. Okay. While there may be a fraction of people out there that are just dramatic in nature in general because they love the attention seeking. And part of that is their own mental, you know, needing that affirmation. That's their anxiety, quite honestly. If they're that dramatic, you know, that's their way of overcoming something in themselves. Um, But then you need to ask the right people for help. That's the difference. If you are reaching out to somebody, a friend or a family member, and they're telling you that this is just in your head and this is not real, you need to find a different person to reach out to. That's when you need to reach out to professionals or to seek other, you know, be able to talk to other people. Those that are putting you down for how you feel are not the right people to be reaching out to. Yeah. I also posted the link, uh, to the article I was reading in the comments. So if you're on there, you can check that out too. Or when you're listening later, um, and you can, Whoa. Uh, now we're getting those in there. Yeah. We're going to have to fix that. So, um, anyways, if you are, um, looking for that information, you can, Listen, if you're listening later, it's in the comments in there somewhere. So, um, anyways. Um, There's a lot of great resources around that can help. Yeah, there are. And and we can help you too. I mean, if you want to reach out to us, you sure can. And uh, we'll help you out. But that is one of the biggest missions, uh, Tara, for, for myself is breaking down a lot of those stigmas. Mm-hmm. Um, we could all be better spouses. We could just be better people in general, employees, so many different things, um, but especially a little happier inside. And geez, I even have a little bit of heartburn right now. <laughs> I had a little bit too much spaghetti maybe, but I had like a pile of that Parmesan cheese garlic on there. God, learning, to you. learning experience. Yeah. So definitely reach out. You know, we interviewed Carrie Johnston from Human Service Agency in Watertown, and she talked about a lot how they work with, you know, your insurance or there's grants out there so people can get help, you know, for free if you're unable to afford it. Um, I know that our therapist works with our insurance so that we just have like a copay to be able to go. There's a lot of opportunities out there for you to get the help that you're needing. And we'd love to help, you know, line you up if somebody we can give you the name of ours that we see. Um, you can see if you can get in her, you know, if you're in our area, we could give you other recommendations. So definitely yeah. reach out to somebody else. Yeah. So yeah, if you were to send us a personal message, um, where you live and, uh, any questions that you have about therapy, um, totally do that. Or you can email, uh, at positively Midwest at gmail.com. You can go to our website, PositivelyMidwest.com. You can contact us on there, too. There's even a chat box. Mm-hmm. Whatever the hell is most convenient for you, feel free to reach out. And, um, you know, it takes a visitor, too. That's why part of my mission for the proceeds we, we make off of the merchandise uh, is you. I think you should go to two sessions. Because, one, you're going to get a little nervous. You're not sure what you're going to talk about. You're going to get to know a person that you don't know. And then right. tell them everything about yourself. I mean, I get it. 
not everybody's an open book. I went in there and just blasted off. But then the second time, you're more likely going to be excited about it. And hopefully you see that as an investment in yourself and you pay for it going forward if you can. Or if you can't, the counselor will work with you. But if you go and meet a counselor and it, you're just not hitting it off, you know, that's that's fine. That's how that's how it can be. But, well, but I know right off of the top of my head, just in our area, there's like three or four different things I can think of. So if you're having trouble thinking of those or you live in Sioux Falls or you live in uh, Ireland or wherever the hell you live, I will take time out of my day to try to help and find something um, that can help you out because I wish someone would have done that for me. So I feel pretty good. Yeah. You done with all this jazz? Yeah. Sorry. It popped up like somebody was asking us a question and so I was trying to find it. And I don't know, I clicked the wrong button and it disappeared. So now I was trying to refind it. Sorry. Oh my gosh, I don't see any <sighs> questions because I can see everything you were saying oh, earlier. Well, I don't know. Okay. It just shopped, popped up that they like sent a message or asked a question about something. And now I can't find it. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be distracted. I was trying to help somebody. <laughs> no, it's fine. So, new webcam. Thanks. You were helpful. Um, so now we can, I can sit and look at the computer and do stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so we just stay tuned. Keep keep listening. Keep watching the group. Please keep participating and, and helping out. Uh, we're getting new members every week, it seems. Uh, so that's great. Thanks yeah. for inviting people. Thanks for participating. Um, I've even come to realize people see it but don't interact. That's totally cool, too. If we are 1% inspiration or motivation or positivity of your day, um that is super awesome. So when you see me out in the streets or us and you say something and I'm awkward about it, just know that I am, I really appreciate it. It's just kind of like, uh, no way, but it's almost like I hear something about it almost every day now. I know I get the, I think I get the deer in the headlights. Like sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's like, I get shocked. I think sometimes I don't know why. Yeah. So Aside from that, um, our lives continue to change. They continue to evolve, and we want to take you along for the ride. Uh, we will soon be posting about our wet plate photography experience. Yes. We're going to gather all of our photos together, and we'll do a nice post about it. Um, I was kind of, um, yeah, just very raw, very unique. So, mm -hmm. um, judgy pants in the dryer. Anything else, my dear? I think that's it. Thank you, everybody, so much. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and close these lives and then we'll just close out the show as normal. Perfect. Thank you all. Appreciate you. Peace and love. Goodbye, Facebook. And goodbye, YouTubers. And <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody on there or not, but. Oh, man, Gianna, you know, you have an 11 year old who just thinks that she could be a YouTube star. Well, maybe we will be and we can help her. <laughs> okay. So. Ready? Yeah. Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts for listening to the Positively Midwest podcast. Our hope is to inspire, engage each other's thoughts, and leave you with some great advice. Be sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Positively Midwest Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, share, and screenshot our podcast with all your cool friends. Every little bit helps. We are on most all major platforms, and you can stream it on our website at PositivelyMidwest.com. Thank you. And as always, please always stay positive. <laughs>